This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. One of my favorite songs that we would sing in worship when I was a small boy was There's Power in the Blood. That's still one of my favorite songs. I, I love to hear that song as we sing worship to God. There's power in the blood, and indeed there is. Another one about the blood of Jesus that I recall singing was What Can Wash Away My Sins? And of course, that song contains the answer to that question, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's talk about that today on Getting to Know Your Bible. Thank you for tuning in. And we want you to stay tuned as we talk about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing but... To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the book of Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 16. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator live, lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet, wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. And then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and according to the law... All things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Blood atonement is a cardinal doctrine throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, there was the shedding of blood, animal blood, offered as an atonement for the sins of the world. But in the shedding of that blood, there was no redemption of sin. We're told in Hebrews chapter 10 and 4 part, that with the shedding of blood there is no uh, animal blood, the blood of bulls and goats, there is no remission. And it took Jesus' blood that he shed upon the cross of Calvary to deal with the sins of the world. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Without Jesus' blood, 
There is no redemption for the entire human family. Without the blood, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood can procure access to God. Now, without that blood, we don't have that access to God, that free access to God. With that blood, we do. Go over the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and in the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul is writing about reconciliation through the death of Jesus Christ. In the twelfth verse, he talks about the state of man without Christ. He said that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and being without God in the world. But notice the next passage, verse 13. But now in Christ, you who sometimes are far off are made near by the blood of Christ. The only way that we can hope to be close to God, near to God, in fellowship with God as it were, have access to God is through that blood. Now verse 14, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make of himself of twain, that is two, one new man so making peace, Verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God by the cross in one body, having slain the enmity thereby. Jesus Christ died on that cross that men might be reconciled to God in one body by the cross. Now verse 18 says, uh, verse 17 says, he came and preached peace to them that were afar off and to them that were nigh. And through him, we both, that's Jew and Gentile alike, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. It is because of Jesus that we have access to God. Nothing but the blood can do that. You know, in the Old Testament, the people had the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a tent-like structure that the children of Israel constructed according to a pattern that had been given to them. Moses led in the building of that tabernacle, and there were two portions in that tabernacle. There was the holy place and the most holy place. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the most holy place, and he would offer an atonement for the sins of the people. He would offer it for himself, for his family, and for all of the people. In that most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant. There was Aaron's rod that budded. There was a pot of manna. There was the mercy seat. And on that day of atonement, the high priest would enter. He would sprinkle blood on that mercy seat. And that was a symbol of the presence of God. Access to that mercy seat came because of the shedding of blood. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in the temple. Now, the tabernacle had been replaced by a permanent structure, and that was a, they called it the temple. And the veil was rent in that temple from top to bottom, and signifying that the way into the most holy place, that is into heaven itself, had been opened to all mankind. 
Listen to Paul, the, the writer, Paul, if he be the writer of the Hebrew letter in Hebrews 9 and 12. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Then turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 20. By a new and living way through he consecrate, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, through Jesus dying upon that cross, he opened up the way into the most holy place, that is heaven, heaven above, for all mankind. He made it possible for people to have access to God. And today, we ha can have confidence when we go to God as His people and pray to God because we have that access. Turn back in your Bible if you have it open to Hebrews chapter 4 and listen to verses 14, 15, and 16. Because of Jesus, I can go to God in prayer. Because of Jesus, I have access. I have access to the throne of God. Listen to Him. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus Christ passed through the heavens as our high priest, he's at the right hand of the throne of God. He opened that way of access for us to God's throne. Now, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want you to know this today when we think about nothing but the blood, is nothing but the blood of Jesus that could give you that kind of access. We, we don't have that kind of access because of who we are or where we are. We don't have that kind of access because the position that we occupy in life. We don't have that kind of access because we are related to people who may believe in God and serve Jesus. We have that access because Jesus Christ opened up the way into heaven. And when we take advantage of the shed blood of Jesus Christ by applying it to our sins, then we put ourselves in a position of having access, access, open access to the throne of God. To me, that's one of the most thrilling thoughts that a child of God can have. That when you come to Christ believing in Him, when you come to Christ being willing to turn from the sin in your life, when you come to Christ as a, a confessing believer in Him, and when you come to Christ as a penitent confessing believer in Christ, and you submit to baptism into Christ, Romans 6, 3 and 4, for the remission of your sins according to Acts 2, 38, then that puts you into Jesus Christ, Galatians 3.27, into the body of Christ, the church, 1 Corinthians 12.13, and as a result, you have open access to the throne of God. You see, even when we mess up as Christians, even when I sin as a Christian, 
Because of that blood, I have access to God. Listen to 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. You see, because Jesus entered into the most holy place that is heaven and opened up that way, I can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help in time of need. And if I walk in that light, and God is light, 1 John 1 and 5, Jesus is the light of the world, John 8, 12. The Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is light. Psalms 119, verse 105. And when I walk in that light, and I'm in fellowship with God, and I'm in fellowship with Jesus, and I'm in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I'm walking in that light, in fellowship with Him, then that blood is continually, constantly cleansing me of my sins. And therefore, I have access to God when I mess up. Someone says, you mean that you mess up? Christians are not perfect people. We are forgiven people. Forgiven in the blood of the Lamb. Forgiven by Jesus' blood. And when we walk in the light, there is that constant cleansing of our sins. Dr. Cecil May is a dear friend of mine, and he is one of the kindest men that I know. He's one of the most uh, intelligent men I know when it comes to the Bible. He enjoys answering people's questions. So I gave him one one day. I said, Brother Cecil, if you walk in the light, having access to that blood because of Jesus' death on the cross, and you're walking in that light, and when you stand before God on the day of judgment, how many sins are you going to have to account for? I already knew the answer to the question. I wanted him to tell me so I could tell you. He said, none. He said, because if you're walking in the light, you have access to God. Jesus has opened up the way for you to have access to the very throne of God. And that's where we can ask for help. And when we're in fellowship with God and in with Christ and the Holy Spirit, we're walking in the light then that blood is continually, constantly cleansing us of our sins. I don't know about you, but that is one of the most encouraging thoughts that I can have about the blood. Folks, nothing but the blood can do that. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can give you that kind of access. Now, nothing but the blood can, has power over the destructive nature of sin. Now, sin is pretty destructive. I, 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 wish I, I wish that I could paint a picture of sin. I wish I could paint a picture of sin and showing the destructive nature of sin so that it would call, cause everybody everywhere to run away from sin. But unfortunately, I don't have that ability. I don't know of any man that has the ability to paint that kind of a picture. Sin does a pretty good job of itself, painting an ugly, nasty, terrible, tragic picture of itself, of sin itself. Well, what do we mean when we talk about sin? Well, sin, sin is transgressing the law of God. That's what 1 John 3, 4 says. It's just transgressing His law, going beyond what He said to do. And when I know what the Bible teaches and I know what to do that's right and I don't do it, James 4, 17 says, well, that's a sin. 
And Romans 14 says that when we violate a biblically regulated conscience, it's sin. If, if whatever's not of faith is sin. If we can't do it out of faith, if I can't believe that I'm doing the right thing, if I do something and in my heart I know I ought not to be doing this. I know this is wrong. That's a sin. That's a sin in the sight of God. So sin is a terrible thing. Have you ever thought about the destructive nature of sin? Sin enslaves people. Jesus said, he that is a servant, that, that serves sin is the servant of sin. We're servants of it. Romans 6.16. And, and there are so many people today that are slaves to sin. They're slaves to all kinds of things that, that are sinful in and of themselves. Sin enslaves. Sin scars your soul. David was called a man after God's own heart, and, and David, though, did wrong. He sinned. He, he committed adultery, took another man's wife, and he also conspired to have that man put out in the front of the battle, and the man was killed. David sinned, and David paid for that sin. He, God forgave him, but there's still a consequence to sin. You see, we may sin, and we may do things that are hurtful to others, and God may forgive us of that, but there's still consequences. I remember a number of years ago being in the state of Georgia preaching, and, and the preacher explained to me that, uh, that he uh, involved himself in jail ministry, which is a wonderful ministry. And he said, uh, one morning this week we're going to baptize some prisoners. Well, I thought that he and I would go down to the uh, jail and we would baptize them there. No, no, it wasn't the way it was going to be at all. About the time that he said, we drove over to the church building and then there were two squad cars that drove up to the front of the building and there were five prisoners that got out of those two cars and they were handcuffed and they were sh their feet were shackled. And they were brought in by the deputies and they were put on the front seat of the church building and I shall never forget what the preacher said to them. He said, you did the crime. You're going to do the time. But God is going to forgive you. And all five of those men were baptized into Christ that day. But you see, there was still a consequence to their sin. In Psalms 51 and 3, David said, my sin is ever before me. I think that was the consequence. Don't you suppose it was hard for him to forget what he had done? Don't you suppose it was difficult for the Apostle Paul to, to forget that he had put those that now were his brothers and sisters in Christ, he had put some of their family into prison and some of them were actually killed? You see, there are consequences to what we do. Sin does that to Sin scars us and it enslaves us and sin pollutes us. It's a pollution of the soul. David in Psalms 51 and 10 said, Create in me a clean heart. He felt so unworthy in the sight of God. He felt so dirty, un unclean. He wanted God's cleansing. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. You see, sin is a terrible thing. And sin is a monster. What is it that can protect us from that? Nothing but the blood. There's absolutely nothing but Jesus' blood that can deal with the sin problem. 
I hear people talking about our world today and what the problems are, and they'll say, well, the problems are that we don't have enough money, and, and the problems are that our military is weak, and the problems are we have drugs in our land, and the problems are the politicians that we have. Let me tell you what the problem is in America. The problem in America is not political. The problem in America is not academic. The problem in America is a spiritual problem. The problem in America is a problem of the heart. And it is caused by sin. And you can call it by any other name you want to. You can call it psychological maladjustment. You can call it anything else you want to call it. But sin is still sin in the sight of God. Someone says, Brother Lambert, don't you think that's a little harsh? Don't you think that's harsh because, Brother Lambert, you're not being very politically correct. My friend, it's time. It is high time in America that preachers start calling sin by its right name. And the kindest thing I can do for those who are in sin is to explain to them the danger that they are in. Sin will damn your soul. The wages of sin is death, spiritual death, or separation from God for all eternity, Romans 6, 23. But thanks be to God for the blood of Jesus, because nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can deal with a sin problem in my life. Nothing can deal with it. Money can't wash away my sins. Education can't wash away my sins. Fame and fortune cannot wash away my sins. The only thing that can deal with my sin is Jesus' blood. And nearly 2,000 years ago, there was a fountain opened at Calvary on Golgotha, on Execution Hill, and that fountain was open for the cleansing of sin. Why, Zechariah 13 and 1 says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of Jacob and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And that fountain that was open was open from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he shed his blood, he shed his blood for sin as a sin atonement, as a sin sacrifice. I deserved it. I deserved everything that happened to Jesus, the scourging, the crown of thorns, being nailed to a cross. But Jesus suffered that I might not suffer. Jesus died that I might not be spiritually lost. Nothing but the blood, folks, can deal with the sin in your life. Now, you may be trying a lot of other things to deal with the issues in your life. But eventually, eventually, you're going to have to come to the foot of the cross. Because it's the way of the cross that leads home. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And we benefit from that blood when we obey the gospel of Christ. Paul said in Romans 1, 16, that the gospel is the power of God to save 
Paul preached the gospel to the Corinthians, and he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, you're saved by that gospel if you don't forget about it. And he said, I've delivered unto you that of which also, also I receive, how Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. We obey the gospel by dying to sin in our life, being buried with Christ in baptism, we rise to walk in the newness of life. Somebody says, that's not in the Bible, is it? Well, let me have, call your attention to Romans, the sixth chapter, verse one beginning. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his what? Death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's verse 5. Now listen to what Paul said. You believe in Jesus? Well then, as a believer in Jesus, you're to be baptized into Christ, baptized into his death, into the benefits of his death. And when we're baptized into his death, we're baptized into Christ. And when we're in Jesus Christ, we have access to all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. And one of those blessings is salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 10, Paul said that we have that salvation which is in Christ Jesus. It's, that's where it is. And the only thing that can procure that for us, obtain that salvation for us, the washing away of our sins is blood, Jesus' blood, unto Him who loved us, washed us from our sins in His own blood. That's Revelation 1.5. Blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood, folks. And when we are baptized into Christ, our sins are washed away in that blood. Somebody says, no, that's not in the Bible, is it? I call your attention now to Acts 22 and verse 16. And we're, we're, the preacher is talking to Saul of Tarsus. He said, why tarest thou? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Call it. On the name of the Lord. If you had your sins washed away in that blood, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood can do it. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you an invitation to visit the church in your community. And also right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. We want you to take this Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Oh